Our Bible reading from today is Luke chapter 15, so you can just listen. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice for me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she is found, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and, as he, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is, is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Stay on target. Well, we here at Harbor are in the midst of a sermon series 
called Stay on Target, where we are talking about our mission as a church. And this week, we're going to talk about our focus on our mission. Have you ever lost something? Have you lost something valuable? What have you lost? Anybody? Your phone? Your wallet? Oh, that's the worst. Keys all the time, yes. We lose things. A few weeks ago, I lost my phone. I was at an amusement park with my friend and with our kids, and at some point I realized my phone was missing. My phone is also one of those wallet cases. So it has my debit card, my credit card, my insurance card, my driver's license, and worst of all, a Target gift card that I hadn't used yet. (laughs) Oh, I was so bummed. I looked everywhere. I looked through our bags of snacks, our towels, our swimming stuff, nothing. I asked the security guards if anyone had turned a phone in. I asked the staff at the swimming place changing rooms if they'd found it. It was nowhere. So I prepared myself for the worst. I started thinking about how I would tell Jeremy that I lost the expensive iPhone we'd just purchased a few weeks prior. And then, in a last-ditch effort, I returned to the last place I remembered having it, the Wild Mouse roller coaster. I went to the staff member standing at the exit for the ride and asked him if he'd seen it. And wonder of wonders, guess where my phone was? It was on the little yellow shelf at the Wild Mouse where lost items end up. I found it! So I grabbed my phone and yes, I held it aloft and told my friend and our kids, I found it! Oh, I was so excited. If you have ever lost something valuable like that, You can relate to my story and probably to the three stories we just heard read a moment ago from Luke chapter 15. Those three parables tell us something about God's mission and how we play a role in it. Last Sunday, as I said, we talked about the mission of God. We said that our mission as a church is derived from God's mission of shalom, peace, We said that the shalom God wants for the world happens when everyone knows God and when all creation is flourishing. And we acknowledge that part of God's plan for shalom is our participation in cultivating shalom. But where do we start? God cares about everyone, everywhere. We don't have that capacity. God can physically be everywhere at once. He is omnipresent. Unless you know something I don't, we can only be in one place at a time. Jesus spoke and a storm stopped. I have never had much luck in commanding the weather. I wanted way more snow than we got last winter, but it didn't happen. God is all-powerful, ever-present, all-knowing. And yet he asks us, to contribute to his mission of cultivating shalom. So how do we do that? How do we play our small role in God's big plan? Well, how can we focus? Where should we focus our energies? Well, I think these three parables in Luke 15 give us a great place to start. These parables tell us where our focus should be as we participate in God's mission. So that's what we're going to search for today. Where do we focus on this mission that God's invited us to be a part of. So let's dive into that. When we look at these three parables, we notice that there are three kind of primary characters in each of the parables. There's the lost item, there's the person seeking for the lost item, 
And then there's the not lost items, right? So there's the lost, the person seeking for what was lost, and the items that were never lost. Let's talk first about the lost items. Each of these three parables features something that's gone missing, right? A sheep, a coin, and a son. The lost items grow in value through each story. One sheep of a hundred, then one coin of ten, and then a son. The stories Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15 are three different stories that all focus on finding the one that was lost. And they're lost in different ways, right? The lost sheep seems to have maybe just gotten confused or scared and wandered off from the flock. Maybe it was caught up in a bush or a bramble or something, but it was away from the group, so it was in trouble. The lost coin seems to have just gotten lost in the shuffle of life. We don't really know how it was lost, but at some point the woman realizes it's missing. She doesn't seem to think it's been stolen. It just has been misplaced because she hadn't really been paying attention to where she put it. The son's another story. The son is lost in his own greed. He tells the father what basically amounts to, I wish you were dead, in asking for his inheritance, and demands it. His being lost was not accidental. It was not confusion. It was not a moment of absent-mindedness. His lostness was the result of his own deliberate sinful behavior. I'm betting in this room there are those of us who can identify with our own story or stories of those we love who are lost just like each of these items. Some are just lost in confusion. They don't really know what they believe. They're just confused. Some have maybe been overlooked, forgotten, Their faith journey's gotten lost in the shuffle of life, maybe. And maybe some have chosen to willfully walk away from God for some reason or another. But in these parables, something is lost. For one reason or another, something is lost. And Jesus is inviting us in these parables to pay attention to the one who's lost and in need of being found. So if we're to focus on the lost, we first have to notice who is missing. So the parables highlight a lost item, which naturally leads to the second component of all three parables, the seeker. In all three stories, someone goes looking for the lost item. The shepherd searches for the sheep, the woman searches for the coin, and the father looks for his son. In these stories, Jesus was not only inviting us to pay attention to the one who's lost, but to the one who goes looking for them. The shepherd, the woman, and the father all tell us something about what it looks like to focus on who's missing, what it looks like to go looking for the lost. The way the shepherd goes after the sheep tells us that even one sheep has tremendous value to the shepherd. The shepherd wasn't content that 99 of his sheep were safe and sound. He cared about the one sheep enough to go after it. The shepherd is acting like God. God is a seeking God. Ezekiel tells us, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and seek them out. God will search for all his people who've been lost from him by sin. He emphasizes three times that he himself will go look for his sheep. That's the value God places on even one lost soul. In the story of the lost coin, the woman tears her house apart. She's actively searching for her lost coin. She's not like me when I lost my phone, just kind of preparing for the worst, assuming she's not going to find it. She is active. 
She insists on searching. She lights a lamp. She sweeps the house. She searches every inch of her house carefully. She is active and on the move until her coin is found. This is God's posture toward the lost. He is ever on the move, always seeking, never resting until what has been lost is found. Some of you have stories like this, don't you? Stories of how God pursued you and ran after you and didn't leave you alone until you recognized that you wanted to come home to him. I have stories like that. God cares about people. God cares that everyone knows him, wants everyone to be in relationship with him. God cares that all creation flourishes and he will not rest until it happens. In the story of the father, we see that God is like this father. God loves the lost so much that he is happy to throw off propriety, throw off custom, throw off what's reasonable in his reaction of love and acceptance when the lost come home. Estate owners like this father couldn't afford to be preoccupied with the return of a prodigal. Old men didn't run. It wasn't dignified. Fathers didn't cover their adult sons with hugs and kisses, but the father didn't care. He loved his son. He never gave up hope. He'd been watching for him, longing for him, longing for his return. So when he saw his son coming, he didn't care what people thought. He was going to let his son know how loved he was. And in each of these three stories, when the seeker finds what they've been looking for, they throw extravagant parties to celebrate. The shepherd carries the lamb on his shoulders in a tender display of affection and then calls all his friends together to celebrate with him. When the woman recovers the coin, she doesn't just put it in her pocket and go on her way. No, she calls her neighbors together to say, look, I found it. Guys, I know you, you were worried with me. I found it. I found the coin. And the father, the father throws a lavish party to celebrate his son's return. He gives him the best robe, the best ring, the best shoes. He tells the servants to roast up the fattened calf, the one they were saving for a special occasion. The father goes all out celebrating the return of his son. This is how God is. Jesus says that this kind of over-the-top celebration is just what God and his angels do every time someone who has been far from God finds their way home. Some have retitled this parable about the sons and the father and call it the parable of the prodigal father. See, prodigal means a person who spends money in a recklessly extravagant way. And this father was recklessly extravagant in welcoming his son home. That's where that song that we just sang, Reckless Love, that's where that comes from. The idea that God's welcome of us, his love for us, his forgiveness towards us is recklessly extravagant. It's not cautious or careful. It is over the top, no holds barred, all in, who cares about the cost? Our God tirelessly searches for the lost. Our God lavishly pours his love, mercy, and forgiveness on all who find their way home to him. But the lost item and the ones seeking what is lost are not the only characters in these parables. In these parables, there was a lost item and there was something that we'll call the never lost. The one sheep that was lost and the 99 that were never lost. 
the one coin that was lost and the nine coins that were never lost, the young brother who was lost and the older brother who was never lost. What happens to these characters in these parables? In the parable of the sheep, the other 99 sheep are left. They're not left in the safety of a sheep pen, but the text says that they're left in open country, in the wilderness. And what about the other nine coins? They're not even mentioned here. And the older brother, verse 25 that we read earlier, it says that he was in the field and came home and saw this party happening. No one even went to get him. Of these three examples, we only get to see the reaction of the older brother. The older brother was angry. He refused to join the party. He could not believe that after all his years of faithful service, his father had never had a party like that for him. He was incredulous. If anyone deserved a party, it was him. The older brother exaggerated his faithfulness. I have never disobeyed you. I don't know how many of you have kids. I have two. <laughs> really? He's never disobeyed his father. Okay. So he exaggerated his faithfulness, and he exaggerated his brother's failure. He spent all his money on prostitutes. Go ahead and reread the story. Prostitutes don't come up. That's not in the text. Right? He's exaggerating his faithfulness and his brother's failure. This older brother is so caught up in his own importance, his own value to his father, his own ideas of who is worth celebrating, that he cannot bring himself to celebrate something so obviously wrong as this sinful younger brother coming home. He has clearly forgotten any instance in which his father has had to show him mercy. See, the never lost are those that resent the effort being put in to find the lost. The never lost are those that have forgotten how much they've been forgiven, how hard it was for them to find the way back when they got off track. The never lost resent not being the focus. They resent being left in the wilderness while the shepherd goes after the one who's lost. They don't care that they're safe because they're with the others. They're grumpy because they're not the center of attention. I think most of the time, when we listen to or read these three parables, most of us imagine ourselves as the lost item that has been found by God. Right? When I sing Reckless Love, I feel it. I was the, I was the one that Jesus left the 99 to find. I see myself there, and that is appropriate we should never forget how much we've been loved, how much we've been forgiven, how much God has blessed us. But these three stories weren't primarily told to the lost. In verses 1 and 2 of Luke chapter 15, we read who these stories were for. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And verse 3 says he told them this parable. He told the Pharisees these parables. These parables were told for the benefit of the religious people. The church folks, the people who came faithfully to church every Sunday, Saturday then, 
The church folks couldn't imagine someone who claimed to be God inviting in people that they thought were such sinners, inviting those people into the spiritual community. I wonder how it might change the way we see our focus, our participation in God's mission of shalom. I wonder how that would change if we imagined ourselves instead of as the one sheep that was missing, as the 99 who were never lost. Instead of imagining ourselves as the prodigal son, we saw ourselves as the older brother who had been faithfully working for the father for a long time. That was the purpose of these stories, to challenge the people who'd been faithful, who'd been a part of the church community for a while, to cause them to think about if their attitude toward the lost was the same as God's. Jesus was asking the religious people if they were like the older brother who wanted to keep people out or like the father who couldn't wait to welcome people home. He wanted them to consider if they were grumbling at being the 99 left in the wilderness or if they would join the shepherd in looking for what was lost. These parables are not primarily for the lost. They're a challenge to those of us who call ourselves the people of God. These parables tell us where we are to begin as we participate in God's mission of shalom. The big idea of Luke 15, the big idea of our message today, is that our focus as we participate in God's mission of shalom is on reaching the one. Our focus in our mission is on reaching the one the one who is lost. We are to spend our time, our energy, and our resources on the one who has not yet found their way back to God. This means that as we participate in God's mission, our focus is outward. Our focus isn't really on the 99 of us who are already here. Our focus in participating in God's mission of shalom is on whoever's still missing. As this church community here at Harbor of Hope, our focus in God's mission is on reaching the one. We want to think about how we could welcome in those who have not yet found their way back to God. We want to think about how we as a community can go out into greater Lowell with the intention of actively joining God on his search for those who don't yet know him. How we can actively search for the places in our world where there is not yet flourishing. And that's sometimes hard. The challenge for us as a church community, it's hard. It's to join the shepherd in looking for the lost instead of grumbling that the focus isn't on us. It feels good to be the focus. (laughs) I'm a middle child and an extrovert. I love attention. Love it. I love when people are looking at me, talking with me, caring about me. I love it. It has been a tremendous growth area for me in my life to learn to let other people be the center of attention. So I understand this struggle. Even those of us who are introverts enjoy, right, being cared for, being understood, being catered to. It's human nature. We like what makes us comfortable. And we bristle at what makes us uncomfortable. But that's exactly the challenge Jesus is putting to the church in Luke 15. Do we care more about our own comfort than we do the lost? Whew, that's personal. He's stepping on my toes here. We're invited to think about what our lives would look like 
if we were joining God on his mission of shalom, of helping all know him and all creation flourish? What would it look like for us as individuals and as a church community here at Harbor of Hope to focus on the one? To consider what resources we're spending on ourselves that could be redirected in the search for the one who's missing. A church that is joining God on mission knows that our mission is shalom. Our mission is to help everyone know God and to help all creation flourish. So everything we do needs to serve that mission. Everything. That's why here at Harbor we serve in our community. That's why we go on the second Saturday of every month to the WISH Project, because we want to help everyone in our community flourish. That's why you're going to hear more in a little while from Abby Rendish about our trunk or treat that we're going to throw on October 23rd in the parking lot, because we want to help our community see the love of God through the love of this church. The seekers in these three parables were consumed with finding what was lost. And when we are consumed with God's mission of shalom, we will be like the shepherd. We will value the lost. We will be like the woman. We'll take action to find the lost instead of just hoping they show up at church. We will be like the father day after day, praying and hoping and waiting, and then welcoming the lost home with open arms. We'll welcome them home without hesitation, without making them jump through hoops, without making them clean up their behavior first, without making them act in a way that makes us more comfortable. We will welcome them home. We're going to move into a time of reflection, and the band's going to come back up. And I want to give us time to consider the one, the one who is lost. Who is it that God has put on your heart? Who is it that doesn't know God? What part of the world is not yet flourishing? I want to invite you to think about them. We're going to sing part of the song, Reckless Love, again. But just as I've been challenged in reading these parables to kind of shift my perspective from being the one who is lost to being the one now who goes and seeks the lost, I want to invite us to think about a different perspective in this song as well. The bridge of reckless love talks about how God would do anything to find us. And as we sing this again, we're going to change the words slightly. We're going to sing about how there is nothing we won't do to find those who are lost. How we will join the shepherd in his search for what is lost. This song will be our prayer, our declaration that here at Harbor of Hope, we are choosing God's mission. And as we participate in that mission, we at Harbor of Hope will focus our efforts on reaching the one. So why don't you stand and let's sing this together.